Welcome to episode 321 of Canada's Pinball Podcast, the only pinball podcast that is best listened to in a home use only environment. All right, let's talk right about Pirates of the Caribbean and my review of the game and the subsequent conversation that has happened. Okay, so I want to talk about this on a few levels. Then I'm going to talk about some pinball news because we're going to move past this. We're not going to belabor Pirates of the Caribbean forever because there's a lot of other stuff going on in the pinball world and this is not a podcast dedicated solely to one game but it is probably the most interesting title to look at right now in the pinball landscape. Um, There's also Monsters LE which I played and I'll give my thoughts a little bit on that later on in the show. So here's what I want to talk about. I understand That for those of you out there who love Pirates of the Caribbean, you were annoyed by my rant about my experience with the game. And maybe the word review is a hard one to attribute to my experience. And I think the question I want to pose to all of you out there is at what point can you review a pinball machine and how much work do you have to do beforehand in terms of your knowledge of a game? How much do you have to do as a player? before you are allowed to give your opinion about a game? And that's a question I'm posing to all of you out there. Because when I read people's feedback, a few things always seem to rise to the top. First of all, apparently you have to know a lot about the game and the the modes and the coding in the game. You have to know what you're doing before you plunge the ball. And so for that to happen, you have to watch Twitch streams and different videos and different walkthroughs of the game. And a lot of people were slamming me because I did not know that you can stack multi-balls in Pirates of the Caribbean. And apparently that is one of the main objectives. Now, what I did yesterday was I watched a really great stream of the game. Uh, I think it was IE Pinball or EI Pinball. I think it's IE Pinball. Uh, This guy was amazing. Like he played on like one ball for like 30 minutes and went through pretty much the all the different five chapter multi-balls in Pirates and I, I, I get it. I get the way you can stack multi-balls and that seems to be the real main objective of this game is to get to the different uh, multi-ball chapters and connect them and progress through the game that way. Okay, so I watched all of that. It's two hours and 45 minutes, okay? So let's not let's not fool ourselves. Uh, his ball his games were lasting a half hour, if not more. So there's a lot of time you have to watch a pinball machine uh, apparently before you know enough to jump onto it. So that's that's one school of thought is that you need to educate yourself with a significant amount of streaming before you'll understand how to play the game. Now I could play devil's advocate and say that pinball shouldn't require such a long period of studying and watching and learning before you jump on a machine. So that's that's sort of a thing I'm going to talk about is where are we now with pinball and how immediately enjoyable should a game be designed to be in the modern world, okay? It's kind of funny that we live in an ADD world in which stuff needs to be immediately gratifying and yet now some of these machines are requiring a level of knowledge that has never been required in the history of pinball and yet people yell at me that I need to do my homework and understand the game more. Okay, so there's that part of it, okay? Now, so there's the understanding of the rules of the game 
And so some people out there say you need to understand all the rules before you even start flipping a game. Because the game itself, the game itself will not intuitively tell you enough of the rules, I think, to get through some of these modern games, okay? So there's that, all right? The second thing, and maybe the most important thing, and by far the most important element that affected my experience with the game was how the game was set up. And again, I want to thank Serge for showing me the game. And he outlined on Pinside, I'm not going to read everything, all the things that were wrong with the game. And there was about like eight of them that he noticed as being off between the machine at Sunshine and his machine at home, okay? And I think a lot of people stopped calling me all sorts of names and said, look, if, if, if I had that experience on that machine, I probably would walk away with the same feeling about the game that Chris did. So I think some people gave me some slack a little bit that I was really upset, not upset, well, maybe a little bit upset, but really disappointed with my Pirates of the Caribbean experience. And so, but that's the point where I, I, I struggle a little bit. Because how many times do I have to play a game on location like Pirates and have a similar experience? And then when am I allowed to come on this show and give you my opinions? So some people out there, they, they are like, you need to do more work. You need to do this. So maybe I should do something a little bit differently. Maybe I should reach out to the different manufacturers out there and say, hey, I'm ready to review your pinball machine. I would like to do a review of Pirates of the Caribbean. I would like to do a review of Munster's LE. And maybe the manufacturers out there could set me up with a game that is set up properly, is at the right pitch, has the right flipper power, has all these things. Maybe they would help me out and point me in the direction of a game in which they believe it is set up correctly. Now, I live in New York City. Now, every major manufacturer's games, they do make their way to New York City pretty quickly, whether it's in a, a, a location or whether it's in a home collection. There are people in this area that get every single new pin. Now, here's the thing that this is why manufacturers probably will not help me out. It's not because I slam them on the show. It's because this is the reality of a world in which we now have pinball media and pinball influencers that are telling you uh, their points of view on the products. Now, in every other industry I work in, in every other industry, whether it's the auto industry, whether it's Oreo cookies, whether it's Royal Caribbean ships, let me tell you what happens when you've identified influencers and media within your industry. What the manufacturers always do is they make sure that those people get access to the stuff beforehand and they also get a really good experience on the product, which by that I mean that Sternwood in some way or Jersey Jack in some way would find a way to invite the pinball media to play the game when it's set up correctly so they their first experience on it can be stellar. Now that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. They completely don't care about pinball media uh, they they always hook up the same streamers all the time, and that's it. That's it. It's like you get Jack Danger on a machine. Uh, straight down the middle does a great job of buying the games. They buy the games. These guys buy the games to review them. You think Stern and Jersey Jack and other people would just send send Greg and Zach these games for free to do their great reviews, and then they just send it back? Like th that. And again, I say that because. In the tech industry, 
when you're launching a, a five to ten thousand dollar TV, the media will oftentimes be sent the TVs to test and then they get it back. I mean, Dodge gives journalists hundred thousand dollar demons to 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 borrow for a weekend and then they give the car back. It's not that hard to send someone a pinball machine and then pick it up and then send it to the next uh, media person. How awesome would that be? If they sent Canada a machine for home use only where I could have it for a week, play it, they could walk me through it, and then they just pick up the game. Not not extremely expensive, especially when you consider the amount of money, the amount of money these, these companies spend flying around the world to different shows and oftentimes bringing these things to shows that are not even in front of their audience or their buyers. I mean, Jack still brings all these Jersey Jack games to arcade shows and operation, you know, uh, uh, shows where, where where the target is arcade operators. They're not buying these games, Jack. They're not. All right, and that leads me to my other point, which is I think I keep hearing people say if Chris doesn't play Pirates of the Caribbean in a home use only or home environment, he is never going to fully experience why this game is so magical. And I think that's a really big point that I want to talk about is do you have to play if you have to play a game in a home only environment why is the why are these games you know also trying to target barcades and be on location and especially and I've said this before about Jack's games especially games that are much more complex that have a lot more issues on location that are super expensive, that seem to be tailored towards more the high-end buyer. Why then, why then uh, is Jack even focused on trying to get these games on location more? And think about the reverse effect it has. When you put a game like Pirates of the Caribbean on location and the experience is terrible, is that gonna make more people buy it? And I said this when I went with Surge, the Stern games, on the other hand, on location, they crush it. They're, they're not they're, they work better they they shoot better they're they're more immediately satisfying because they're not so hard to get into stern understands i think how to you know win over the location play above jersey jack and yet and yet jack has had i'm not i'm gonna also say this jack has had some real location hits like wizard of oz and dialed in i hear have done really well for distributors out on location and so that or operators on location. So look, because they're much more visually wow games, they are. They make you want to put your quarter in. Uh, but I think Pirates of the Caribbean, out of all of his machines, seems to be the most problematic on location. All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna again raise my hand. And if you're in the Northeast and you have a Pirates of the Caribbean in a home use environment, if you have a game that is set up correctly in the Northeast within an hour to two hours of New York City, I'm raising my hand and saying, I will happily come over and play the game the right way. And I could tell from the IE stream that I watched that the game I played was totally fucked. Like it was beyond fucked. The, it, all the shots, this guy on the stream was hitting the, the, the right ramp. He was hitting it with a left flipper. He was backhanding, he was backhanding the right ramp every single time with the right flipper on the machine at sunshine that is impossible you if you if you fully hit the 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 right flipper backhanding it towards the right ramp the ball would barely even get to the entrance of the right 
ramp. It would or, or go maybe maybe halfway up and come right down and straight down the middle. So uh, maybe where your vitriol should lie is with uh, Peter at Sunshine Laundromat for setting up his game so brutally hard. Maybe he's doing a disservice to some of these games, setting them up that way. Um, and this guy was starting multi-balls on the stream left and right pretty easily. That was something that not only me and Serge had a really difficult time doing. So I'm asking you out there, if you have one, let me know. I'll come by. I don't have a closed mind. I don't. I want to have a good experience on this game. But I'll say this, and this is something that some of you out there who love Pirates of the Caribbean, it's something that you all just have to accept, is that not everyone is going to love this game. I saw somebody write, Kanade is the only one bagging on this game. He's the only one who doesn't like this game. And I'm here to tell you that that's absolutely false, that there are other people there are a lot of other people who don't like Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay, there are the the vast majority, the vast majority of people who don't like Pirates of the Caribbean just don't like the theme at all. And those vast majority of people, they also don't care to own one even if you think it's a great pinball experience. A lot of people, more people than none, more people than none are not able, all right, are not able to separate uh, their hatred of a theme and, and just go in on the game even if they like the way it shoots on a pinball level. Now, that's not everybody. We know some people hate Metallica music and ACDC music and Iron Maiden music but still enjoy the pin because of the pin experience. But for the most part, and this is the silent majority, there are most people out there, they just won't buy a pin if it's not a theme that they want. Okay, that that is that is the first door you have to get people through when it comes to pinball sales. Hence the reason why Stern locks up the greatest themes for people because they get most people through the first door, all right? Then it's like gameplay experience, okay? And so from there, I think, again, people are being a little bit delusional when they act as if this is the greatest shooting pinball machine there ever is. Uh, the, the shot layout, the geometry, the toys, I get why some people love this game, but I also understand the counterpoint that this, I don't, I don't, this isn't the most fun pinball machine to just shoot on a, on a shooter level, on a layout level. I get there's a lot to shoot for, but there's also a lot of issues I could see people having with the way the shots are. And you also get people that just don't like wide bodies. And that's a whole nother category. Uh, there's nobody out there who's like, I just don't like standard. I don't like standard body pins. I always want it to be wide. That's the, the, like like one to five percent of people might think that way, but I would say again, the vast majority of people prefer standard body machines. And I know there's going to be those people who say, "Well, this doesn't shoot like a, a wide body." Yes, it does a little bit. I do like what they did with the orbits are more towards the middle and not on the outside, so you never do feel like you're always shooting wide, you're, you are shooting, it almost feels like you are shooting more of a standard body game. I would even argue that this game could have been standard body, but again, but it, I, I, I'm not even going to get go there right now. Okay, so I guess what I'm saying is, are people not allowed to not like this game? It, it, it's like the owners of this game, they have this feeling that if you experience everything I experience, you're crazy for not thinking it's this incredible pinball game. And I think that those people are in the honeymoon period. I think I understand why they like the game, 
But I also think they don't want to hear. They don't want to hear why people don't like the game. They don't. They're, they, it, it is like when I live in New York City, the equivalent I have is nobody in this city wants to hear why Donald Trump won the presidency. Now, look, I'm not, I'm not saying like Donald Trump is, is, is Pirates of the Caribbean, but there is a lack of dialogue and then there's a lack of conversation nowadays just in society about people just trying to understand why you think differently why you might not like what they like uh, and, and and i don't think it goes vice versa i've been trying really hard to have a dialogue and talk to people about why is it you like what you like but but at the end of that conversation there also has to be a time in which you can say i understand why you like this game I understand the multi-balls. Sorry, my alarm's going off. I've got to get to work soon. I understand the way the multi-balls work, the wizard mode work. I understand how they had to make this game with the lack of assets. And then at some point, I'm allowed to sit down and look how they did it all and say to myself, well, this game just might be a miss for me because of the lack of assets in the game or the lack of narrative in the game. Or I don't think any of the toys are that magical to me, right? It's all subjective. It's all subjective, and, and I don't think uh, anyone who, who, who spends time on Pirates who doesn't like it should be chastised and, and, and sort of crucified for, for coming to that conclusion, all right? All right, so ultimately, ultimately, the one question I always end up on, I always ask this question, is if it's so good and it's so amazing and Jersey Jack made the greatest pinball machine of all time, why aren't the sales where they need to be? Why aren't people gobbling the game up? And that's a question that I pose to all of you out there who own a Pirates of the Caribbean. Derek, friend of the show, he bought two of them. See, they, even with owners buying two of them, they're still not sold out. They're only going to make a thousand of them. Stern, at the end of the day, Stern is going to end up selling more Aerosmiths than Jersey Jack will sell of Pirates of the Caribbean. Stern will sell more Deadpools than Jersey Jack will sell of Pirates of the Caribbean. And it's gotta be really frustrating uh, for Jersey Jack and the team. Look about how hard they work on these games and they're just not selling. They're just not selling. They're not even coming close to selling the amount of games that Stern sells. I mean, Stern will ship, Stern will have shipped more Munsters in two months than Jersey Jack Pinball will have sold of Pirates of the Caribbean a game that he took two years to, to work on. Two years, and Stern makes more money in two months off a game that has barely uh, a, a quarter of what's inside Pirates of the Caribbean from an engineering standpoint. And that's why I feel bad for Jersey Jack Pinball, and I keep saying it over and over again. I want Jersey Jack to succeed, but this isn't working. This approach is not working. And as much as you might love you know, the super deep code and all there is to do and, and all the all the different ways to approach the game, I'm here to tell you that what's what's failing, what is failing in Pirates of the Caribbean and where Jack is falling down is he's not making the games immediately accessible. And that is where he's getting crushed. Because if you remember, if you remember what we heard from from Joe Newhart from Pinball Star. If you re, and Joe look and also Joe doesn't even distribute Stern machines, which are the number one selling machines. If if you think about the majority of people who buy pinball machines are not okay. They are not uh, like you. 
They are not like me. They are not Hilton or Crazy Levy. They're not the pinball aficionados. The majority of people who buy pinball machines walk into a distributor uh, and they want something fun for the game room. And they go and they play games. And in Pirates of the Caribbean, when you go into a distributor that has that alongside, alongside Stern machines, absolutely it's phenomenally uh, looking and it has so much more in it. But here's the thing. The majority of distributors that people will walk into, they don't even carry Jersey Jack pinball. You know why they don't really carry Jersey Jack pinball nearly as much as Stern? Uh, this is the other thing that we don't really talk about when we talk about pinball sales. But you know, as a distributor, selling Jersey Jack machines is financially not to your benefit. You make less money. This is crazy. You make less money selling a Jersey Jack pinball uh, Pirates LE. You make less money than you do if you sell a Stern Munsters Pro. The margins for distributors are far better on Stern machines than they are on Jersey Jack machines. Now that's crazy. And that is why, that is why, you know, Jersey Jack machines, you know, the, the, it, it, I, you know, it's, it's hard for me to say the lack of sales is because like the theme or this or that, a lot of their struggles literally just come down to like the distribution model of the games, where the prices are at, how well distributors uh, can make, you know, make money on these games. Because what are you going to sell? If, if you're Zach Many at Flippin' Pinball, uh, and I love Zach, and you know, and, and I and I love Christopher Marquette at Coin Taker, and and I love Joe at Pinball Star. You know, if you're a distributor and you want to make money, and your livelihood is selling pinball machines, uh, and you can make a lot more money selling a Stern Pro, load them up, load them up. And here's the thing: they keep bringing out new stuff, so you're you're gonna build your empire. Probably more around Stern Pinball than Jersey Jack because Jack games, not only do they come out on a, on a much slower level, you make less money. And then here's the part. They're more problematic. Well, who's, what, 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 you're going to get phone calls probably from who? Uh, you know, you, Then you have to go help someone whose wires are cut underneath their upper play field and you have to send a tech out to go solder wires together. Because remember this. Imagine if you buy a pinball machine, it's one of your first pinball games ever, and you're, you're not used to working on them. And, and I, if I paid $9,000 from a distributor and, and my rocking ship isn't working or the, or the switch is not working, I'm going to make that distributor fix the game. I just bought it. There's no way a brand new pinball owner should have to bring out a soldering iron and, and, and take off the upper play field and get to work like that. There's just no way. So again, if you're a distributor... Uh, less maintenance, more money equals more enthusiasm to sell those products. And I think that's another thing that keeps hurting Jersey Jack Pinball. All right. All right. This is, again, like, you know all this. You know all this. And this is Jack's year where he either has learned his lesson or he's going to continue to make the same mistakes of the past. So, all right. What else do I want to say before I move on to some pinball news? So, first of all, I'm hearing that Jersey Jack will be bringing the new Wizard of Oz to TPF. Now, here's the thing that I keep hearing different reports on. How many Yellow Brick Road editions is he going to make? I've heard everywhere from 250, 
And the latest I heard yesterday is that he's going to make like 1,200 Yellow Brick Road editions. Now, he, this is the game that keeps on giving for Jack. He, he continues to sell this game on a global level. It continues to be the game that when people stand over it, they just have to have it. It's his most successful title. So I highly doubt that he will only make 250. What I'm curious, what I'm curious about is when he reveals the Yellow Brick Road edition, if he puts a number or a cap on the number of them he's going to make. If history has shown us anything, he probably will because that does drive a little bit of scarcity and demand if you know they're only going to make this many of them. All right. What else is going on? And then apparently Willy Wonka is done. That when, it, when he reveals it, Jack will ship the game within a month or two. That is what I'm hearing. But I'm also hearing that he, he wants to get, I don't know, Toy Story out by the time the movie. I think this is old news. I still think it's going to go Wonka GNR Toy Story. All right. What else is going on in the pinball world? So over at This Week in Pinball, they interviewed uh, Zach Sharp about the Stern Pinsider um the Pinsider Club, what are they called? The Stern Insiders. Is that what it is? Oh, it says the Insider Member Program. All right. So we talked a little bit about this. It's $30 a year. You know how I feel. I just thought some of the answers from Zach were funny. I want to read them to you because whenever I really reach out to Zach and ask him to come on the show, he always says no. Whenever I ask him for like a quote, he does give me quotes. So he, he talks to me. But uh, what I love about this program is it clearly was a marketing decision on how to make money off of stuff that they should just communicate with us. So, uh, so this, this is what he says was the process behind the launch of the Insider Program. He writes, we have wanted to do something to give folks access to the world of Stern outside of our current channels for many years. As part of our new website development and redesign, it provided the perfect opportunity for this goal. Sorry, my alarm is going off again. There we go. Um, we have an amazing global community of pinball fans, and we want them to feel like they are part of the Stern family. All right. So what I don't get about is this. Hey, Zach. Hey, Zach. Welcome to social media, my friend. Your new website, your new website, which you have put up, it, it, it should not have taken you guys years, which you said, uh, to share with people the world of Stern Pinball. What, what, see, I, I love when he says outside of our current channels, to give folks access outside of your current channels. Here's why that makes no sense to me, Zach. Why is Facebook not adequate enough for you to do all of this? Why? why? Wait, every single company on planet Earth that is a multi-billion dollar company, can share information with their fans via Facebook. They all do it. Chevrolet does it. Microsoft does it. Apple does it. Oh, but Stern Pinball, Stern Pinball can't do it on Facebook for free. They now have to charge us to get access to the world of Stern. So I just think that just doesn't make any sense to me that you, you couldn't do this with the current channels. Is there anything that you're doing on this new channel of yours uh, that is that it, that provides something different. Uh, you can sell stuff on Facebook. You could sell people T-shirts on Facebook. No, you know what they can do now is they can make you. They can make you see what they can't do on Facebook is they can't charge you thirty dollars and make you have to log in with an email and password to get you to see the video or the podcast or whatever the T-shirt that you can buy exclusively. That's that's the only thing that is different 
is on their new website, they can charge you money to then see a part of that website or some content that they're going to put up. All right. He then, uh, the question was, can you give an example of what to expect at a Stern Insider Only event? Oh, this one, man. Get ready. He writes, Stern Insider Only events will vary from private webinars or podcasts directly with our game designers, programmers, and artists to exclusive entrance or early access to a Stern sponsored party. Oh man, get early access. Get into that party first. Yeah, we all know what's going to happen. We all know what's going to happen with this shit. Exclusive entrance or early access. So there's there's going to be Stern events in which only people who pay to be part of the insider program can get to. Let me tell you how often I think that's going to happen. Zero, okay? These guys are not stupid. What they will do is they will just uh, give everybody access, but they'll probably just charge everybody. Insiders get in for free, but everyone else has to pay. Remember their birthday party? Remember the big, what was it, the, uh, the 30th birthday party of Stern Pinball? And they were celebrating 30 years of Stern Pinball. Do you remember that party at, at uh, I believe it was at TPF? You remember what they did? They made you pay money to get into their own birthday party. I think it might have been in Chicago. I forget. It was at Expo or TPF. But how funny is that? Imagine inviting your friends to your birthday party. Hey, guys, come celebrate me being so successful for 30 years. And by the way, it's 50 bucks each of you. Come on. Come on. See, the DNA within this company still remains super, super cheap and money grab. Come on. You know it. You can't. Come on, George. I know you listen. Zach, I know you listen. You can't charge people to come to your birthday party. And let's talk about... Um, an event. I don't understand why he would list a webinar or podcast as an event, but it does sound like now they are going to keep their people uh, exclusively for the most part on. See, here's the thing. All of their people are doing podcasts for free with guys like Special One Lit, Head to Head. Um, you know, there's a lot of other, I just saw, they, they, they had a Stern decoder for Beatles went on to the Little Kings Pinball Podcast. I mean, they won't even do this show and they do the Little Kings Pinball Podcast. That gets like 200 listens per episode. I, I mean, it's unbelievable uh, the, the lengths at which they go to avoid this show. Um, but so, you know, look, but here's the thing. Are they now going to not let those personalities go on to other shows and make those podcasts? Uh, are they going to make them pay for play? So you can't, so the insiders get that information first. The other thing is this, who's doing them? Who is doing Stern's podcast? Is it Christopher Franchi and, and is he doing it? Is, is he setting up these interviews? Uh, does he have the time to do all that? Is, is this going to be where we finally see the super duper extra awesome, you know, 10 times backflips podcast that, that he promised last June? Is it finally happening? I don't know. I don't know who's doing the podcast. So it seems really silly to me in a world in which there are 35 plus pinball podcasters out there that are doing this for free and getting you guys great interviews with the Stern people that Stern is now going to go take that in house. And again, they're not specialists at pinball podcasts. So he then goes, also, the reason why I don't like it is here's why. There's just something I think that's lame that when a company controls the interviews with its own employees. And I'm sorry, but are they going to ask them the hard questions? Are they ever going to press them? The only reason why 
you listen to this show. Maybe not the only reason, but I think the one big reason why people like this show is is we're not in anyone's pocket. Like we're not, we don't have an agenda to just only say nice stuff about Stern. And I think that's a big issue I have with these shows and the way uh, they're going to just lob all the softball questions up to these guys. And also they're going to edit them. We're never going to know if anyone said anything interesting, you know, and so that's an issue I have. That's an issue I have because here's, here's why, because when Jarrett came on this show and I never was able to interview it, he's, we asked about what do you think of Steve Ritchie calling Pinside a cancer? Right. What do you think about one of your biggest designers saying that the forum in the community is a cancer to the hobby? And we asked and we talked about that because that was a big news item of the time. And what happened? Stern Pinball listened to that interview and then refused to let Jared give me the green light to put it up. And out of respect for my friendship with Jared, I have not put that up. Um, but one day I might just do it because enough time has passed. I also think it makes Stern look overly protective. All right. All right, then he goes on to say, will insiders see new game reveals before the general public? And he writes, right, possibly, with an exclamation point. I feel like he answered it like Scooby-Doo, like, possibly, like with exclamation I mean, come on, come on. They're, no, they're not. No, they're not. There is no way the insiders will get it first because this is where I think even in Stern's cash grab insider program they're not stupid enough to realize that the second someone sees something it's going to end up on pin side immediately everything will all right then it says in the press release it mentions private access to exclusive webinars videos and interviews uh, with game designers programmers artists and other stern insiders can you explain more okay so he writes Similar to early access to the newest games as an insider, you'll get to be part of interviews with the designers, programmers, and artists, and other Stern insiders. Not only will the focus be on new releases, but also games from our catalog and the history behind some of our classic titles. There will be tips on the latest code releases, as well as service webinars from our expert team here in tech service. Well, first of all, everyone should get service webinars, not just like insiders. But also, this is what what is new here. We're we're getting this currently. All the pinball podcasters out there that interview these designers, they are doing great jobs of getting these designers to talk about yesteryear games and the current new release. So there's nothing new here. Okay. Then the question was: the press release mentions exclusive access to product launch webinars. Does that include new pinball machines? Uh, and what would a webinar happen at the time of the official launch? So Zach writes, for every new game release, we have internal product launch webinars to educate our dealer and distributor network about the latest title. Now as a Stern Insider with all access, you can see and hear these presentations after a game is launched. Okay, I think that's a great thing. I think that's a great thing. They, they, they have a webinar that explains to distributors like all there is in the game. Why doesn't everybody get that? Why does not everybody get that kind of information and that kind of access before you're asking these people to pull the trigger on $9,000 games before they even play it? Should, should not every consumer get this kind of information? All right, and then will, will the content include Jack Danger? He wrote, it won't include their initial live stream, but there will be exclusive videos that will, will include Jack sometimes. All right, that's a given. All right, I love this. Giveaways and limited edition merchandise are also mentioned. He writes... We don't want to spoil all of the surprises here, but let's just say every month there will be a random Stern Insider receiving um, 
Wait, there will be a random Stern Insider receiving a special item in the mail. All right, so is that just one person? One? I, Huh. So one person is going to receive something in the mail. Whoa, guys. Holy shit. How are you going to afford that to send one person something? Man, I got to sign up for this program. Um, as for the limited edition merchandise, we will be bringing exclusive merchandise that will only be available to Stern Insiders at several of the major shows in addition to items that will be available on our store. These items will vary from exclusive t-shirts, pens. Wait, let's stop there. Holy shit, guys. There's an exclusive Munsters LE pen and only Stern Insiders can get it. Man, man, I've, I've, I've just, there's nothing I want more in life. When my dad asked me, hey, Chris, do you feel like you made it? Dad, I made it, man. All the education, all the years of college, all, all the accolades and work I've received, all the billions of impressions and media coverage, none of that was worth it, Dad. At the end of my day, when I hold up this stern insider pin, it, it's, it's, it's the beacon. It, it is the highlight. It is the, the greatest accolade of my career, Daddy. Stern, let me buy an exclusive pin. This is the only, and, and you had to be an insider to spend $30 a year to get this pin. And I'm going to wear this pin, daddy. I'm going to wear it every day. <laughs> Jesus Christ, fucking A, are you kidding me? A fucking pin? A fucking pin. They, they are so out of ideas, but exclusive t-shirts, pins, hats, and more. Could, you know, I love it when it's and more. It could be a fucking anything. What they need to do is make Stern underwear, all right, because they've got you by the balls. They might as well just do that. Make a pair of Stern tidy whities that have like two pinballs where your nuts go because this company, this company just has everybody by the balls and moves like this just reek, reek of a spoiled sort of super successful category market leader. They're, they've, they, they've, they control so much of pinball that they can now do stupid shit like this. There, this, All this information, all these hats and pins and t-shirts, there's no fucking reason why you should have to pay this company any money to get to any of this stuff. It's such bullshit. Christopher Franchi can crank out 15 different t-shirt designs in a fucking week. And then they're just going to put like only 100 of these, only 100 of those, only. And then here's the thing. You, all you get is access to those fucking things. You, they're not free. You still have to buy them. It's just $30 in their pocket a year. So if they get 1,000 people to sign up for the Insider Program, which I don't think they're going to do, that's only $30,000 a year extra to then create this stupid layer between them and their customer base. And it's inane and it's idiotic and it's greedy. They don't need it. They don't need it. If Stern wants to set up, if they want to set up events in which only you know Stern insiders can get into or they want to reward people with exclusive events, here's a fucking suggestion, Zach. How about you make it so only if you bought uh, a Stern LE can you get into this event? How about you have a Stern limited edition club where anyone who buys more than two LEs gets access to it? How about the money people already gave you gets access to things? Or how about this? How about you stop all this stupid shit and just do stern parties 
in which you allow pinball people to come together and you do it in a way that doesn't require people to give you money in some arbitrary way to get access to it. You see what I'm saying? It's just not cool. It's not cool at all to have to pay extra to get to these kinds of things. You should just fucking be doing them because you have 90% of the pinball market. You're the only company that making a ton of money. You're the only company that has four to five like really good games a year, sometimes a couple great games a year. You're the only company that keeps pinball alive. You are the leaders. Fucking act like leaders. This is To me, this is not a leadership move. It is just a really simple, lazy marketing approach to put a few extra bucks in, in someone's pocket. I don't know whose idea it was. It's as, it's as idiotic as the marketing move was around the Beatles pricing, which isn't working out. We, 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 they didn't sell every one. The games are not moving. They're sitting there. They're sitting there. And so, like, when are they going to learn that we like you? Okay, Stern, we like you. We like you as a company. We like you a lot. We just want to see you do stuff that doesn't reek of this sort of greedy desperation for money when you don't need it. You have the most profit happening in the industry. You have the most consumers. You have the most fans. Why are you doing this dumb shit? Why are you doing it? Why are you now going to like only give people who pay money access to webinars and podcasts and fucking pins, exclusive pins? For fuck's sakes, who wants that? Like, who sat in a room? Zach, did you sit in a room and someone like, well, what can we give of value? Well, what about those pins? Like, what the fuck? What the fuck? No. No. You know what should be happening over at Stern instead of this garbage? Instead of this this stupid plan? is You know what they should be saying is, well, when someone spends $9,000 on a limited edition game, can we actually give them something that's a different experience so it justifies the cost? Can we actually have one of our coders put a mode in that's exclusive to LE owners? Can we actually give them something that's not the same exact game as the premium? Like, that's what I want to see in Stern fucking Pinball. I want to see the limited edition games actually have a little bit of like a limited sort of personalized touch for the owner. They started it with the SLE on Batman and he calls your name out. Why can't they do that with every fucking machine that's an LE? You only got to do it for 500 people and for all the money they're spending, I think they deserve personalized touches. And it's not hard, it is not hard to just code an extra mode uh, in a game and get LE owners a different experience that makes them feel a little bit more special versus just the cosmetic things that separate these games. Like make the gameplay different. All right, I'm sorry. I'm a little upset. I got to get to work. I got to run out soon. All right. I'm going to end this show pretty soon. I'm going to say that I played Monsters. I want to give my thoughts on it, Monsters LE. I'll say this in a short little review of Monsters LE because Serge and I played it. Um, the game shoots really fun. It's fast. You can jump right into it. Uh, without even knowing what to do, stuff is happening. It's pretty easy to figure out like a multi-ball. You just shoot Herman and it locks the ball on the magnet and then it releases it. And even if you drain, it then releases it into a multi-ball. Uh, the lower play field, uh, it's, it's neat. I, I will say that it's a little like, it's a little numbing when you're down there because you can't feel anything. Uh, I, I do think they need a shaker mode that every time you hit a shot on the lower play field, uh, it gives you a little bit of a shake. Because I think that the the lack of feel, even when you hit the button, is 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 there, maybe there's a little shake that happens. Because 
we're just so used to when we when we hit the flipper button, you can physically feel the vibration of the flipper through the game, and, and there's a sense of doing something. Uh, when you do the lower play field on the Munsters, it's completely numbing because there's absolutely no sensation, uh, both in feel uh, and you know, and even I don't know, like even in sound. I don't know. There's something about it. Like it just feels like very sort of numb if that's a good word uh will the novelty wear off i don't know i think it's cool to have it down there it was interesting that the lower play field on the one at sunshine the 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 uh the glass above it was fogged up so no one you know kind of like old school acdc fogging up on on the lower play field glass uh, but you can you can unscrew that and clean that but that was just interesting to see it like that um okay i have i have to run to work I love you guys. Thank you for keep tuning in and listening to me rant about pinball. We will have more guests coming on soon. Um, and, and we'll go from there. All right. Lots of other news to talk about. Riot Pinball trying to come up with another machine. Uh, sure. Sure. It's all we need. We just need more pinball. There's not enough. There's As if there's not enough great games in boxes right now that need sales. We still have so many new boutiques still making stuff. I, I, I don't get it. If you're Riot Pinball... Why are why are people designing games without no plans of manufacturing? Like I, ah, uh, just call up American Pinball and being like, you need this shit. You need help. Uh, Oktoberfest is getting ready. They're getting towards TPF. It's gonna make or break this game. They they know they need a great showing at TPF. Uh, we'll talk more about that. Anything else? News? Nope. There's not. Canada out. Have a great day, everybody. Um,